Welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abrahams, and this is the season three finale, part one. This week, we're playing back some of the stories recorded at our last kickback in Oakland. I want you to breathe all this in. This is You Had Me at Black, the podcast where black millennials tell true life stories. Imagine you're in West Oakland on a warm spring night in March. And we're at Elena Museum, a co-working and art space for black creatives in the Bay Area. You're in a room packed with 200 beautiful, glowing black people. And if you're anything like me, you're a little tipsy off some honey wine and enjoying the vibes brought by DJ Mary B. You have me at Black. We are going to be starting in five minutes. So if everyone could gather to the front, that would be much appreciated. Five minutes. This next story comes from Theo, who used to be a kid singer, and his mom was super involved in his singing career. So the year was 1996. I was living um, in a small town in Tennessee, outside Nashville, called Hendersonville, Tennessee. Super white town. It was actually where Taylor Swift graduated from high school. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah, like, Google that. That's it's real. Um, and so back in the day, I was like, I had a little singing, a, a, a little child singing career. I was like nine at the time. I was like in uh, all the, the school musicals and, and the Nashville Children's Choir and, and church choir, the whole nine. I was big time. Um, and uh, so the, the elementary school talent show came up um, and it was on. I was, uh, was going to be the star of that show. That was like my, my goal at the time. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get up there, do my solo probably get a contract signed after that, go big time. Um, so my mom, she actually was like super supportive of it. She was like, yeah, baby, we want to get you up there. We're going to get you singing. So we went to, um, to like the Radio Shack or whatever it was at the time. This is like 1996. So we had to pick out like the perfect song for my like solo debut. Um, and we picked uh, Michael Jackson's uh, like 1960s classic Ben. Um, it's like a real weird, it's a weird song if you're not familiar with it. It's like, a, it's like he recorded it as a, as a child and then it was like he wrote it to his like pet mouse. So it's like a weird like friendship. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll sing a couple. I've, uh, excuse my voice. It's ravaged from like a decade of smoking pot. Um, but. Been the two of us need look no more. We both found what we were looking for. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, all right, cool. So, like, every day for like months, I came home, practiced with my mom to get the act tight. She was like, Low-key, she was kind of like one of those like intense dance moms. She was like very like, all right, let's get it again. You had to rewind the tape. The tape came like two-sided. It was like the vocal side on one side and the other was like the instrumental and it came with like the, the printed out lyrics. This was like old school. There was no YouTube in anything 1996. So 
practice for a couple months. Because, like, the auditions were, like, high stakes. Like, I knew a couple people that didn't get in before, and it was just, like, dope to get in. Um, so I was, like, I was nervous, but I'm ready. The day of the talent show comes. I'm ready. Um, you know, I'm sitting at the breakfast table. I'm like, yo, ma, let me take this, this cassette deck to school so I can, like, practice during, like, my, like, lunch period or whatever, like, get my shit tight. She was like, Theo, I know you. If you take that tape to school, you're going to lose it. I'm going to just keep the tape. I'm going to bring it to you after school and in time for your audition. So I did the only thing I could do. I snuck into a room when she wasn't looking and stole the tape, put it in my brown paper lunch bag, and I was off. Uh, so, you know, it was a normal day at school. I'm, I'm amped up. I remember, like, lunch that day. Um, I didn't practice at all. I definitely was, like, in this, uh, like, my homie, my partner, he was another singer, and he had his audition that day, too. We were, like, best friends. We were, like, the male singers, like, the renowned fourth-grade male singers. But he was, he was, like, it was Nashville, so he was, like, in the country music, and I was, like, the soul singer, right? So I remember we had, like, a, a sing-off that day. Like, we had to just settle the dispute, like, who's the, the dopest singer? So clearly we, we picked our favorite song, like, the hit, in 1996 for fourth graders, Hanson's Mbop. And we had our sing-off. Um, and I think I won. You know, lunch was awesome. Uh, you know, threw away my lunch, went back to class, proceeded with the day. End of the day comes, I'm like, all right, audition time. Ma comes up, she's like, what's up, Theo? I'm like, what up, Ma? She's like, Theo. I can't seem to find uh, the cassette deck tape. Um, did you take it? And it was at that point that I realized, oh, shit, I definitely threw away that tape with my brown paper lunch bag. <laughs> and we're in, like, you know, elementary school. I got 30 minutes to my audition. We don't have time to, like, go back out, go to the store, get a new tape. So my mom's fucking pissed. She goes, hollers at the one other black dude in the school, the janitor. Cool ass janitor, he was like, all right, yeah, y'all can go to the back. So the next thing I know, me and my mom are in a dumpster of discarded elementary school lunches, and it was the nastiest shit ever. Like, like everything that you could imagine inside of like an elementary school dumpster from 1996, there was like the like tape, like the fruit roll-up tape, just like miles of it, Capri Suns upon Capri Suns, like lunchables, a little like like discarded like like ham meat like cylinders just like all of that and my mom the whole time just swear, cussing me out in the back of this elementary school like I told your ass not to take the tape I'm gonna have your dad whoop your ass when we get home and I'm just like I'm sorry and we're like searching through all this shit and I'm pretty sure I told this story to my mom the other day and what she remembers is that I actually lost not only the tape but my retainer so I'm pretty sure there was a, like, a, a bit of her that was more pissed about the retainer because that shit cost money. And I'm just sitting there like nervous, like, I don't know what I'm going to do for my audition in 30 minutes, like full 30 minutes of this. And it's time for my audition. So I go in, like covered in this like discarded like elementary school lunches. I'm Theo. My mom's like there, like staring me down, just like her neck just burning in the side of my her, her face is burning inside of my neck, and I'm just like, all right, let me, let me get into it. And I, just have to, I have to sing Ben Acapello. And I sing it, and I'm just like, Ben, and I'm just like crying. I get through it, um, super depressed. 
go home that night, think my singing career is like done. I'm never gonna make the talent show. Like, as soon as we get home, mom, true as word, tells Pops. Pops lays into me. It was just a bad night all around. So the next morning, I uh, get up and go to school, go to the cafeteria. They have the like talent list roster for the talent show listed. And I go up, let me check it out, you know, pretty, pretty pessimistic. And my name's like right at the top. I'm in the talent show, I made the talent show, got in. Um, and yeah, like I went on like to, I mean, it wasn't a competition talent show, but it was dope. I was in it. I, I got like a, another, I got two copies of the cassette deck tape this time, just in case anything happened to the other one. Um, and I called my mom whenever I found out. She was hella excited, got home. She made the sloppy, dough, sloppy Joe dinner. That was my favorite dinner at the time. Um, it was good. And you know, like the next year, like I was completely not a singer anymore. By that point, I wanted to be a rapper. I got in the talent show again. That time, uh, I rapped Men in Black with like three white girls inside of black suits. Did a choreographed dance number behind me. It was lit. Um, so yeah, I was like never a singer again after that. Um, and uh, I guess the winner of that story is, is definitely my mom. My mom, she just, her birthday was like two days ago. Really cool, really cool lady. And um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a parent yet, um, but when I am, I hope that I can be half as like dedicated to whatever like, like passion my child has to be like knee deep inside of discarded like fourth grade lunches. Again, I cannot stress how gross that shit was. <laughs> like, and we're not even talking about like the kids who didn't, don't bring their lunch and that like the rectangle pizzas, all that, it was, it was disgusting. But to be on that level of a parent, um, I think it's definitely been pivotal for me. I continue to like have a lot of different passions, but I always like pursue them wholeheartedly and I wanna push that on to my, to my kids one day. So uh, yeah, that was for my Dukes. Thank you guys. <laughs> If blackness was a superpower, it would be perseverance. Right? And just getting through and just getting through shit. It would be a gold cloak that you could wake up and put on. When you stepped into it, you would feel royal and happy and all-knowing and glistening and beautiful. It would be outer space because it's infinite in power. It would be strength, it would be healing through love. Ooh, yeah, it would shoot out at, at like lasers and it would just heal through like love and like wholeness. My blackness. <laughs> to take white supremacy. <laughs> that one's funny. I think we can already do that though. So that's already a superpower that we have. Our second story comes from Monty. He tried to run away from something that was rooted deep inside of him. Here's what happened Oakland, how we doing? Y'all look amazing. Uh, walk with me a little bit. It's my freshman year, and I'm in, attending Southern Oregon University in Ashland, Oregon. Any Oregon people? No? What? <laughs> okay, this is gonna, you're going to enjoy this. Me and you, we here. We're going to lock in. Okay. I, I, for the life of me, I wish I could remember what I was doing. I, I just can't. But freshman year, where I'm in my dorm. And I'm like, damn, I'm not going back home. I'm not coming back to the Bay. I was like, it was like I was free finally, you know? And 
like free from like like peer pressure, but you know how peer pressure isn't necessarily real. Real, you kind of self-inflicted. You know, anyone? Just me? All right. All right. Let's see where we at. I'm just trying to gauge it. We're gonna do that a little bit till I find it, and we're gonna bring it on home. Um, and at that time, Richmond just felt like a big ass box. Like, and I and I was out of that for the first time. I was. That's what it was. I was listening to uh, MF Doom, loud as hell in my room. There we go. We got, see, see I just need one. I just need one. And my, my, my roommate was white and he's like, yo, what, what's that? And I got the nerd out like for the first time about MF Doom because none of my partners wanted to hear anything about MF Doom. Like that's weirdo rap. Like that weirdo rap is not new. They've been saying that forever because yeah, I definitely heard it my whole life. I was like, wow. So in order for that to kind of make sense, let's go back even further to what is kind of like the beginning. My mom, early, and if she was here, she, my, my baby is special. And, and I believed it, too. I, I know y'all did, too. But, but duh, they're supposed to say that. And I, and I, 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 I fed into it. I, I ran with that for even now, to this day. Uh, <laughs> But what was cool about that is that she was able to identify that early, and then in identifying it, she sort of maintained the patience throughout our relationships to, to kind of nurture it. You know, it's not easy dealing with a kid that you think might be slow, but he, he's just processing it in, in his own way. You know, that could, be, that could be really scary for a parent. And, um, oh gosh, just one night, to, to, to help you to help paint this picture, the classic scene. She's cooking. She got her back to me, and I'm sitting at the table, and we are struggling through spelling words, y'all. Like struggling. What is it? First grade, second grade. Whenever you start getting the, the little slim piece of paper with the words you're supposed to study for the week, and we are fighting. This is how bad it is. She's trying to. She's trying to. She's she's exercising that patience I was talking about. And about the fourth word is just fumbling. She goes, you know all them damn rap songs, but you can't spell your spelling words? <laughs> Who's heard that before? Please make some noise. <laughs> See? I'm testifying right now. Walk with me, y'all. Come on. But it was that, it was that moment that we, both, we, had, we shared that moment together, and I saw the light bulb go off. Because it went off for me, but I'm watching my mom. Her back is to me. She goes, oh, rhythm. To this day, y'all, I tap to retain anything. I, this is, that was our thing. We would, we would rap spelling words, math homework, reading. If it had to do with retaining it, we was going to make a song out of it. All right. So we get that. And now let's jump all the way back to the end of college. Week out, the girl I was dating at the time, her and I decide, no, 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 no. She, she decided. That, uh, damn, I really thought I had some say in that, too, till just now. She decided we were going to go to Portland. Because, like I said, I wasn't going home. And Ashland was just, anybody ever driven through Ashland ever? Yeah, you, so didn't you know, you got, you got out of there quick, didn't you? Yep, yep. I lived there for five years, y'all, no. But I, I, I couldn't go back home. I didn't want to stay there. So we figured Portland would be that perfect, that, that perfect, like right in the middle of that meeting right there. And, 
boy when I got there was it was just as white as Ashland and I but it was cool because it still wasn't home I didn't have that I didn't have the pressure of home but about maybe eight months into it I start just flipping it's, I'm anxious I'm not happy I can't figure it out my girl and I are fighting heavy because naturally your depression or whatever you're going through you project that on your partner no Okay, just me, so again. <laughs> um, and it gets worse, my dad calls me, he's like, yo, they give him grandpa a couple weeks to live, you should probably come home. All right, I can get home, but the way my account is looking right now, father, <laughs> with that pride thing, I'm dealing with that pride thing, so I don't bring it to my dad and my girl, again, we're on the rocks. She's like, I got you. And that's, what's, that's why we were dope, that's, that's my, we were friends first. Shit got hard, she got tougher. And I, I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but your partner that's gonna kind of man up in situations, you roll with it. You, that, you, you really, really appreciate someone that can get through adversity. So she gets the, gets the ticket, I get home, I get to my dad's house, and I walk to my grandfather's room, and, and I'm, I'm watching him for a second, and I say, Pop, and he sit up, Smiling, he had, that man had the most infectious smile, and it's a trip because my dad smiles just like him. It's, it's kind of trippy, but uh, sits up all strong. He said, "What's up, son? I uh, I got something for you in the garage." I'm like, but "Pop, I'm here to see you. Go to the garage." All right, okay. So we go, go in my dad's garage. There's a row of of cardboard boxes sealed up. I open the first one. It's full of LPs, vintage LPs. I'm talking. Original pressings of the Isley Brothers, Marvin Gaye, and they're they're pristine. And I'm like, wow. And and I go through all the boxes and I look, and the stuff that you expect to see in your grandparents' record collection, Aretha, y'all y'all help me here. They, they were there, you know. <laughs> um, but it was the stuff I didn't expect to see: Joni Mitchell, Fela Kunti. Um, I, I guess I should have expected Elton John or whatever, but I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know Elton John was banging like his. Have y'all listened to him in his band? Oh my god! Oh, so I should have. I guess I should have, but I didn't, and that kind of tripped me out because I thought about my childhood and how eclectic even just my iPod was at the time. My iPhone had a little bit of everything. I won't tell y'all because I feel like y'all judge me. So we'll keep going. Um, and then that that two days. I got to really build and reflect on my grandfather, like on some man to man. I had lived a little bit by then, so it, it was the relationship was no longer grandfather grandson. It was, yo man, tell me tell me what you're going through. Like he really wanted to know, and we didn't build as if he was passing none of that. We just we just got to really build on. I, I want to know more about you, and he told me more about him. That two days we hung out, and I was getting ready to say bye and go back to Portland. And he, he just told me he was proud. He didn't, he didn't know anything about music or anything at that point for, for me. He just wanted to say he was proud. And he said, son, do what moves you. Duh, Grandpa, everybody does that, right? No, no, no. Everybody doesn't do what moves them. And so I, I carried that with me. Fly back to Portland or just to land. And, and not even a legitimate week later, my father called me and said, yo, he, he's gone. And he, he, he was able to keep it together long enough to say that and then broke down. And for the fellas in here, I don't know 
if you've ever been on the other end of a male figure that you really look too strong and all that stuff, I don't know if you've ever been on the other end of that, but that shit will humble you in the, in the worst way. In the worst way, best way. My father needed me to be a man in that moment and, and, and be his shoulder. So, broke again, gotta get right back to the bay. This one's on Wells Fargo. Thank you for overdraft protection. So I, just, I just did it, I just did it. I was like, oh, y'all gonna let that go through? We, we gonna be all right, you know? I've been, I've been committed to Wells Fargo ever since, I'm proud to say. They, they've, done, they've done some dirt, but I can forgive some things, you know? I can, I can, I can. Um, I get back home and it's one of those things where I gotta land funeral and then get back to port because I got to be to this job that I can't even afford to buy a ticket for so I got to get back and I get to the funeral and I sit really close to the casket and there was that damn smile again I was like wow he's in peace now like legitimately in peace he's not hurting so cool I'm cool with that but I'm sitting next to my grandma and I kind of skimmed over the music thing but for the not just music but some of the artists and entrepreneurs that decided to start from the bottom and really build the fear in your parents and your grandparents and your family's face when you tell them you're going to be a rapper, oh my God. <laughs> and my grandma didn't hesitate to let me hear it. She was like, rapper? Huh? That's what, that rapper, all that damn school for rapping, that's what you're going to do? And I, I couldn't even must I couldn't even be mad at her because I understood that fear and concern she was operating with. And I really, really appreciate it. So that's the irony of sitting next to her at this funeral. And all these people get up, because it's the, the, the standard black program for a funeral at the end where everybody get up and talk in two minutes. And you know they're not going to talk for two minutes. So yeah, it was one of them. And so all his, all his people got up. And so you guys got friends. He did the, we did the 80s, 90s, kind of. There's a lot of 90s babies in here. So think about... Your partner's talking at your funeral and how petrified you would be if you didn't know what they were going to say. This was happening with my grandfather. His partners were up there saying anything. And I was like, oh. And the fellas weren't the worst. It was the ladies because some of these ladies he had dated and they went up there, mm, mm. Let me tell you. And I was like, please, please don't. Please don't. No. But they all consistently talked about what an amazing artist and singer he was, and like singer. And together, me and my grandma both went, ah, there you, that's where you get it from. And it was then we were leaving, and I made a few stops before I had to head back home, and I thought about it. I was like, wow. I didn't want to come back home, y'all. Like, mine was made up. And like right before me, I was like, oh snap, I was staying away because in Portland I didn't have any attachments to anyone. They were strangers. If I failed, if I fell flat on my face, it did, I didn't care what they thought, but having family and friends spectate and be right there for the struggle is the hardest thing, one of the hardest things you'll do. It's not the hardest, but it's one of the hardest. And I was running from that. I can honestly say that's what I was running from. And it was that those chain of events, it's like, damn, do what moves you, no matter where, no matter what platform, always put on, y'all, always put on and rep, because look behind you, if you're sitting in the front, you're repping for all these people. 
and that's why we got to carry ourselves in a particular way, in a particular manner, strong, confident, smart, and with love and with power. And I personally was running from that responsibility because it's, it's tough. We've been through it, and I knew that. And who, who, want, who wanted that added pressure? I didn't have it away because couldn't find any of y'all. Could not nobody that looked like me that I felt this responsible for. Do what moves you is what my grandfather said, and pop. Two indie albums later, I'm doing what moves me. So thank y'all. Hey y'all! Thanks for listening to part one of our season finale. We'll be back next week with part two. Before we go, I'm sure you're wondering what's up with our Kickstarter campaign. And I'm so glad you asked, because I have an update. <laughs> we have nine days left to raise $25,000 to bring shows like the one you just heard to new cities across the country. And remember, Kickstarter is all or nothing. So if we don't raise that full $25,000, we can't touch any of the funds that we've raised. We're about halfway there with $12,000 to go. And we could totally do it. If even half of the people listening right now go head to youhadmeatblack.com slash donate and contribute $25, we will hit our goal. Now, there's something in it for you as a backer. We have some awesome rewards on our page, like career coaching. We have a podcast training session. We have a filmmaking class on there. And there are even opportunities for small business owners to promote their business on our podcast. So if you love You Had Me at Black and you want us to hang out in your city, head to youhadmeatblack.com slash donate and back our campaign. And please share it with your friends and family. You can retweet us. You can repost our Facebook posts at You Had Me at Black on both, on both of those channels. And just help us spread the word and spread our movement. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>